Welcome to Accounting High. So we're Cascadian coaching. My coach coaches me, then I coach our leadership team, and then our leadership team coaches their teams, and it cascades down from there. I see the key of getting out of no man's land and creating a, a scalable team is when that coaching is done effectively at every level of the organization. How do you prevent that into turning into the telephone game? Yeah, that's a good question. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations involving some of the best teachers in the accounting industry. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat, may I have your attention please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Scotty and Coach Olson. We're going to have a problem here. Coach Dave or Coach Olson, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to say there, but Coach Olson kind of like has a little bit of a, a rhyming to it. Yeah, that definitely takes me back to high school. So, yeah, I like what, it. Were, were you Coach Dave in high school or Coach Olson? No, I just had lots of coaches. So calling them uh, Coach in their last name that brings yeah. back memories. So, so it's Coach in the last name. So I like it. Let's uh, let's get started. We're on our third installments of the px the people experience brought to you by nimble or by coach olson like this is this is our instructor here i'm just like kind of in the room sweeping up i'm you know i've been i've been cleaning the whole school here as the custodian tidying things up and now i'm in the class i'm kind of sitting down because i'm interested in this i want to learn more about this people experience uh, we hear a lot about client experience we don't hear too much about people experience. And on our third installment today is coaching. So Dave, give us a brief overview of, of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. The last episode, we talked a lot about culture and that's, I think, an important foundation. And it's also pretty high level. It Now we get into the kind of nuts and bolts of how do we actually create the organization? How do we coach our team? so that the culture remains intact and we actually get stuff done and you know fulfill the purpose of the business. So we're going to talk about that coaching. What does that look we're like? Creating leaders. That was the little subtitle I have for this episode. Coaching and creating leaders within our firms. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all about creating leaders throughout the organization. That's how we build a, a business that, that can scale is if we have leadership at every level. If the leadership is only at the top, then there's a, a limit to where we can go, but we want to want everybody to be leaders. Yeah. So I've recorded a couple episodes since we did our first two and I've started to see some patterns. It was something very similar that we talked about back in at accounting salon this past year, being in no man's land. A lot of firms go from that solopreneur, solo show to growing. And that means they hire people and they grow and they're, you know, they're somewhat getting from, you can only go so far as a solo show. So they want to grow, they want to grow their revenue and they get to, you know, past that three, 400,000 mark. And they've got a few people that are working and they find that every person they hire is just doing a bit of everything, everything that they were doing for their clients. And they continue just hiring people to fill the need and to fill the work. So one person's doing everything for their set of clients. And that's a pattern that a lot of firm owners go through because they don't know the first thing about setting up a structure, building a structure. And it's always dependent on them. For every step of the way, things always bottleneck up atop at the owner. And building leaders is very different because you're setting people up to not do client work, to not do all the things you were doing, but to do specific functions within a business. You know, maybe it's operations, maybe it's sales or administrative. You're hiring people for management levels that aren't doing production work. And that's different. That means you're going to be taking a hit in your margins. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening. And so, you know, one thing that you and I may have fast forwarded through the fact that they're going to be setting things up and structuring things differently to build leaders and to grow leaders within their firm, leaders that can take ownership of parts of the process and certain aspects of the firm without your guidance, maybe your guidance, but without you, without needing you as the owner for any of those day-to-day -day decisions, without needing you for that. So you're going to need people that can show a little bit of leadership, but also make sound decisions on behalf of the firm. Did I do an okay job of explaining, you know, that that whole idea of no man's land? Because beyond no man's land, you're scaling. That's when you've really started to scale. Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think the distinction is getting from that individual small organization through no man's land to what is what does it look like on the other side of no man's land? And that's when you've scaled. You've had you have leaders in place that can can run without you. And that's I think that's what you're what you're saying is. And then what is that? look like in the middle and what is the common milestones and you know i think there's i'm sure different different definitions and different milestones that different companies face but i often hear the you know the 500 to a million in revenue in accounting is kind of the beginning of no man's land and then it can take three four five million before you feel like you're coming out on the other side as you as you construct the organization in that way so yeah. we're talk about how to get there Lots of peaks and valleys as you try to get there in different areas of growth. Margins, there's peaks and valleys as you continue to grow and get to that scaling point because you're going to take hits. But all throughout the way, it's very important to start having this mindset of I'm growing people as leaders and I need to create the structure, create the roles, create what we're going to talk about today is the accountability chart and with that in mind that things aren't going to be dependent on you as the owner. People are going to do things without you, make decisions without you. And you got to be comfortable with that. 
Yeah, for sure. And there's there's a lot to look at. And I, th- I think this journey is very common in any kind of technician-led business. So a profession like accounting, often people start out as individual contributors, individual technicians, and then look to build a business around that. Probably law, some of the trades, a lot of them are, have a similar, similar a lot type of journey. Professionals, a lot of knowledge workers and professional services always end up in that path. And that's that road led to siloed partnership model firms. And that's what we were calling managing a practice. That was the old way of running a practice was MAP. That was the thing that was taught to a lot of accountants, professional services, and they turned into that partnership model where it was silos of partners that had their client base and they all just shared resources at an administrative level. And they weren't growing leaders. They were just growing technicians within their silos. So you'd have one large firm and each partner was working independently. They weren't all working toward one similar goal. And that's what, is, that's what our profession Basically, the makeup of our profession, that's what it looks like now when you look at most firms. But the way you're running your firm, you're running a practice, which is what we call RAP instead of MAP. So from MAP to RAP, you're running a practice differently because you're running it like a business. And in order to run it like a business, you've got to have some of these key components that we're talking about. Yeah, and I think the the terminology, I think, keeps us in that mindset sometimes too. Like even even the word practice or firm kind of implies that technician led that technician. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we call it, I don't know what the acronym could be, but basically, yeah, like you said, running a business, running a company, building a business as opposed to building just a, a practice. Well, no, we still have to use practice because rap <laughs> has a P in it. Yeah, so we got to have rap we in figure there. out another word for practice, practice is still what it is because we're practicing. <laughs> we're not, we're not firm in our knowledge. We're still learning more. We're practicing. We're always practicing instead of like we have we're not set in our ways we're practicing we're yeah, evolving I, I can get behind that all right so i like it oh yeah you gotta fit wrap in there no I, th- I think you you hit it on the head though when you talked about the partnership model where we have siloed partners kind of running their own practices individually and, and that's really at a, a sharp contrast to the corporate model and when we say corporate model, we're not saying it has to be a corporation, but it's the corporate organization where, you know, have a, you have a leader at the top, you have, you know, organization of, of C-suite executives or VPs or directors that are specialized in a certain department. So like in a, in a partnership model, you may have a partner that a lot of times they're responsible for sales and they use their networks and their relationships or word of mouth with their clients to, to build out their sales. A lot of accounting firms don't have you know, a dedicated sales leader or a sales team going Each out. Each partner is responsible for bringing in their own business. Yeah. And even, even HR is another specialized, we're talking about people here. The people organizations are often, you know, maybe a partner is responsible for the, the HR function and they might have lower level HR generalist kind of carrying out the work. But I'm not aware of many accounting firms that have high level people professionals that are creating that people experience. It's all usually up to the partners to, to create that experience. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are well-intentioned, but it's just not their specialty. They're focused on being technicians about serving the client and building up sales. People's probably not on the top of their mind of how to create that experience for their teams. Yeah. They may have loosely just come up with some words that they put on the wall, you know, and the things that they talk about doing, but it's, this is really getting into the actions of how to do this intentionally. 
So. Yeah, when you have a CEO creating the vision, setting the vision, and then hiring a people leader, who's uh, that's all I think about is how do we create this experience for the team, and yeah. that's the 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 corporate structure as opposed to the the partnership model. Yeah. So let's go in and start talking about building that organization structure around that, and let's talk about some of the some of the things that have helped along the way with us, you know, building our firms. There's some tools and books that provide really good frameworks for doing this. One classic is the E-Myth by Michael Gerber, and that really addresses perfectly the the technician moving into business and the idea of construction constructing an organization and not just you know expanding you know creating a job for for yourself. And yeah, so that book was instrumental for me as well early on. It was the E-Myth Accountant, and was talking about working on the business not in the business that was the biggest takeaway i had from that all the other technician aspects of it and separating out roles but working on the business yeah creating a structure that's independent of any individual person and creating roles and then placing people in that roles and when you're starting you may yourself as a solo practitioner you may fill all those hats but even if you're solo, I think it's a good time to start thinking about what would an organization look like when it's not just you. Then you're ready to look at okay, what hats can you offload first? You make that first hire. What roles do they have? And you may hire someone and they may take on, maybe you defined you know, 10 roles in the organization and you hire that someone and they take on four of those roles. And as you build, you fill more of those roles with individual people as opposed to people wearing multiple hats. And I think that's one of the, you talk about no man's land. One of the challenges of no man's land is when people wear multiple hats. And it's a necessary yeah. stage, unless you're well-funded. It's going to be hard in the beginning to, to hire individual people for individual hats, but it's just a necessary step. But when you get to that point where, for the most part, individuals are wearing one hat, that's when the specialization, the scale can really, really start to take off. Yeah. And it's an important point that you made is a lot of firms are going to have to go through these phases to get to the other side because you do have to build up some cash reserves. You you would have to have a lot of money saved or starting out with a lot to be able to have these positions and start at these roles because it's going to be very low margins. You're paying people to not produce, and that's scary for a lot of – your first admin hire is somebody that's just going to be helping out with stuff on the back, and they're not going to be billable quote unquote, you know, I know we don't, I know we don't talk about hourly billing, but they're not going to be doing work that you're charging for necessarily. They're just supporting in a lot of ways. Yeah. That can be really uncomfortable for, especially as accountants, as we look at our margins and as we also compare, we compare margins as an, as a solo practitioner, you know, margins are huge, even a hundred percent, if you don't factor in your own time sure. and to, to go from 100% margin down to maybe break even as you start hiring people or even dipping in the dipping in those reserves, like you said. Yeah. It could be a very uncomfortable process. And I think that's why going back to our previous episode when we talked about our, our vision, like what is our vision of the future? If we just want to serve clients and get work done and make a good margin, you know, maybe you don't want to build a team. And maybe, maybe you, you're okay not going into no man's land and staying a solo show. Yeah, and people yeah, I think, are content with that. That's a decision to make. Yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with either way, but what where people get in trouble is they don't realize that they're going into no man's land. They think they want to grow, and they hear all these motivational speeches or podcasts or whatever they're hearing that you know growth is good, without really understanding the implications of it. So, 
you know, what we're doing here is not trying to scare anyone, but we just want to make sure people understand what it takes to get at that next step and yeah, what they're getting the, into. Yeah. And take the tool, tools that we're sharing to make that process a little easier. I, I feel like I stumbled along in a lot of ways through no man's land, not really recognizing what, where I was. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that motivates me to, to be on this podcast and, and share my experiences. Hopefully I can shortcut that experience for, for other people. Yeah. If, if we share a lot of failures along the way and what we've learned because we stumble upon things. It wasn't years after I found E-Myth that I found EOS. And that's the next phase of this, or that at least the next bullet that we're going to talk about is, is building out that accountability chart. So explain to our listeners what that even is. Yeah. So I think the accountability chart is really just the E-Myth in a part of a larger operating system, like you mentioned EOS. And it's really about defining every role that's needed in the organization and putting responsibilities to that to that role, including a structure of who who's who they're responsible to. And in in building this structure, I recommend that leaders look out into the future, but not too far. I've I've found myself being in this trap where you were a hundred million dollar company and here's the organization that we're gonna need to to support that. And we have every every department broken down into twenty different roles of of what that looks like. And but that's really that's your reality. Yeah, I mean, maybe years in the future, but it's a distraction and it can get overwhelming in that way. So I would say, I don't know, there's no magic rule of how far to look out, but maybe look out, you know, one or two years in, in where you'd like to be as a company and build out that organization, that accountability chart and you'll start putting in people's names into those roles. And again, with the e-myth way of looking at it, they're roles and they're not people and you don't want to build your organization your accountability chart around people. You want to build it around the roles that business needs, and then you place people into the best fits within that chart. And like we talked about wearing multiple hats, there one name could be multiple spots on that accountability chart. But the, again, the, the important point is being clear about where what are the roles needed to, to fill the organization. Yeah, and it's not to be confused with an organization chart. That was something that was drilled into us by our implementer, by the by the person that was helping us implement EOS was this isn't an organization chart. This is accountability chart. This is who's accountable for what aspect of the business. And there was a very simple way of laying that out. And we made it so complex because we started splitting things out and we just, you know, it, it took us the longest time to create our accountability chart. It's done now. I mean, it, it evolves always, but, we're at a point now where my name and my seat is just in that visionary role. You know, it starts out with the visionary and the integrator and then everything, you know, for us at least it's production, internal operations, sales, marketing, and HR culture. Those are the four aspects of after the visionary integrator that people are rising and being accountable for. So. Yeah, that's very similar to our organization as well. And really the key in creating this accountability is like you said, the actual accountability for outcomes, you know, it's not a list of tasks to be done. It's a, it's actually outcomes that they're responsible for. And you want to be able to hire people that can understand those outcomes and make their own decisions about how, what they do day to day to achieve those outcomes. And yes, leader. And we talk, we're talking about coaching. So it's not like we leave people on an Island to do their own thing. And then we check in and 90 days and see where they're at. It's, you know, it's ongoing coaching, but it's still people who are capable of, of thinking that way. And it starts with that, that leadership team. 
you mentioned the the different functions you have in your business and it's it's similar to ours and it's been really a five-year process for us i'd, I'd say you know four years because we're about a year into it where we have leaders strongly strong leaders accountable for those those areas and we have you call it production we have our client service client service director leader we have a, a people leader we have our internal operations that's our it and finance and then we have our, our revenue leader. We have a, a dedicated sales leader who is not not an accountant. He's a sales professional, and um, you know he he's accountable for the revenue growth in the business. So you got service, operations, revenue, and people. Yeah. So without going, I mean, we could do a whole episode just on accountability charts, but let's move on and let's talk about the next phases. Yeah. So within. The, kind of bridging out from the accountability chart is, and this isn't specifically, you know, part of EOS that I'm aware of, but it's looking at each role or each department, each area in the business. And what is the career path that is the natural progression in that area? And I think that's an important part of creating that people experience is not just what role are you feeling today, but what is the possibility for the future? It's giving them a, in combination with the vision for the, where the business is going giving people a vision for where can they go and what is the natural career path. And so we have, we have that built into our accountability chart is, you know, we're at a you know client, client manager one, and we can progress up through client manager two and three and as, uh, onboarding specialist, assistant controller, controller. So we have these career paths that define the accountability that's, that sits at each, each level. And we can coach coach people, coming back to coaching, coach people on their career progression. And that's so important for an individual to know what's next, to, to see what that path leads. We didn't have that for a long time, and people would get frustrated, and that's why people would leave. That's why we would have turnover, because they didn't know what was next, and they wanted to be fulfilled. They wanted to grow. Yeah, it's a critical point in connecting the company vision to individual opportunity. Because everyone's going to ask, what's in it for me? And that's not a selfish question. It's just a, yeah, this is great. The business is going there. But what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my career, my life, my lifestyle? And so we first need to understand, well, for, I guess it starts with people understanding themselves. What do they want out of their life and their career? And then then the next step is the business. And by the business, I mean coaches. Coaches within the business, understanding, getting that out of people and getting that out of paper. And then matching that to the vision of the business and that's really where the scale comes is people who are, you know, aligned with their life and their business and they're working together to f- fulfill on that vision. And what's the next point? Yeah. So the next point is talking about actual coaching and what does, what does coaching mean? What does okay. that look like? And, you know, I talked in the last episode about my, my executive coach and how important he has been in my development and in seeing leadership and in building the company. And his name's Brandon Craig, like I mentioned. And, you know, it'd be nice if we had, or it would be impactful if he was in the business coaching each of the people in their business. He's very skilled and experienced at that, but that's not scalable either. So we look at coaching is yeah yeah not at all so we look at coaching as cascading we use cascading a lot in our in our business so we're cascading coaching so you know my coach coaches me then i coach our leadership team and then our leadership team coaches their 
their teams and it, it cascades down from there. And that's really the, I see the key of, of getting out of no man's land and creating a, a scalable team is when that coaching is done effectively at every level of the organization. And where leaders, going back to what we said before early on, early on is creating leader, leaders at every level of the organization. How do you prevent that into turning into the telephone game? You know the game where you whisper something to one person's ear and by the time you get to the end, it's something entirely different? Yeah, that's a good question. And it, it happens. That's human nature. And I, I wouldn't say we figured it out. This is part of the ongoing ongoing leadership that's required. It, it's not just, you know, I coach the leaders that I work with and I, I walk away and assume that everything's being communicated. It's cascading that leadership going down and then getting feedback going back up and communicating in different ways as well. So, you know, we're communicating in the coaching sessions and one-on-ones each week. And then we have department meetings and team meetings and all hands and all these different communication channels attempt to get everyone on the same page. And people will need to hear the same message many times in the same way or a similar way before we can be united in that message. And if that, in that telephone game, that message gets changed, it's going to create a lot of confusion. And that's the job of, of leaders at all levels is to keep a pulse on what message is being received. What are people hearing and how do we be consistent, united in that message? And it's oh, not a, cool. not a one-time thing. It's a, that's the, one of the challenges of and opportunities in business to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's important consistency. So, yeah. So what's the roles of a coach? What are the roles of a coach? Yeah. But we think of the, the coach, I think it's more about, understanding where people are at in their job, in their career, and how they're feeling about it, as opposed to what they're actually doing. You know, you talk about a boss or a supervisor or or that, that implies more tactical, like what what's getting done, what tasks are getting done, what does performance look like, as opposed to really understanding, thinking like a, like a sports coach, really understanding the, the mindset, understanding the psychology of the person, how are they feeling about their own performance, how is their business fitting in with the rest of their life and to the extent that it's relevant and people are willing to share is, you know, is this working for people? Is there hours in their schedule and the demands on their job? Is that work with the rest of their life? So it's really understanding the whole, whole person and then fitting the business performance into that, into that relationship and coaching them on specific aspects of performance and looking at metrics and the accountability chart areas they're accountable for and holding them accountable to that performance. Yeah. And holding people accountable, it's really important that you do have individualized time with your leaders and with the team. And cascading, I think, leads to people being, you know, the people you're cascading to, they have people they're responsible for and they're that they're leading. So how do you give people individualized attention? How do you talk to people? Like, do you have one-on-ones? How do, and how do you do that? Yeah, so we follow the EOS structure in that we have our department L10s. And as far as I'm aware, at least in the formal structure, there's not a lot of talk about one-on-ones in the EOS structure. So we've layered that as a key part of our meeting cadence on top of that. Every one of our team members should have typically a weekly one-on-one. It can be bi-weekly depending on the role and the autonomy of the person. But somewhere between every week or two, having that one-on-one check-in and what that looks like is being intentional about not making that tactical. 
And it can be very tough not to let those meetings just to fall into tactical. So the, the coachee may have a list of questions about what they're working on with clients or how to do this in this software or this process is working or isn't working. And that those are things that can and, and should be addressed, but they shouldn't come first and they shouldn't dominate the conversation. The first part of that one-on-one should be, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's your family? How's your workload? What's your feeling about your career direction and the path that you're on? And it doesn't need to be a deep, long discussion every week, but there needs to be that opening. So when something is on the person's mind, to have that opening to speak into it, whenever they feel. Yeah, you need like to it. create create the space to be able to communicate and have effective conversations. We do them quarterly. We do quarterly check-ins. Those are kind of our one-on-ones where the management team, they meet with the people that are under them every quarter to kind of make sure that things are still on course and we're still on the right path and have that open space to communicate one-on-one. Obviously, if it's needed more frequently, we do, but we found that that's been pretty effective. Quarterly conversations is what we call it. Um, It might be part of EOS, but I know that it stemmed from our creating our systems and our cadences for our meetings. So, yeah, yeah. The, the, I think the cadence is less important than actually creating that space. Um, yeah. And I think some businesses, you may go months or years without really creating an opening for that. Well, that's that no kind of cadence. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. There's zero cadence there. You need some kind of cadence and it probably should be more frequently than once a year. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even if you have one-on-ones every week, if they're only tactical, then you're, and you're, week after week, year after year, if you're never creating an opening, it's not any better than, than not doing it. So yeah, it's just creating that space. And one thing that provides frameworks for those one-on-ones is our core virtues. We, we talked about our core virtues last time yep. and those coaching discussions should, if they're effective, be rooted in the core virtues. So it could be making sure that the team is, has those core virtues present and may, maybe some of our leaders, we don't have a you know specific agenda. We don't want to script it too much, but some of our leaders take a core virtue with every one-on-one and review what it means and ask for examples or applications that they've seen. It could also be an opportunity to coach around performance too. If the coach notices a deficiency in one of the core virtues areas, it's an opening to address that feedback and, and head that off. It, you know, we, we do have twice a year performance reviews that are formal, but those should be just a really just a formality to check in. It should not be, there should not be any surprises. It should be any performance concerns should come up in those, in those week to week discussions. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's really important to keep everything centered around some longer term vision and those core virtues and keeping everything tied together too. Cause then, you know, you let too much time pass and people lose focus and they lose, they lose sight of what's important too sometimes. So keeping things centered and having somebody guide that along the way is super important. Yeah. And, and just to recenter on that, we talk about cascading culture throughout the organization. And last time we talked about the elements of culture. So I just mentioned core virtues, but the whole vision and purpose of the company should also be cascaded and reminded through, through those one-on-ones. It's a good chance to, you know, check in on, say, a person's understanding of, of where the company is going and how they align with that and, and to make sure that that's clear yeah. for each each person throughout the organization. Yeah. So how do you handle the individual careers of, of everybody on the team? I mean, we're talking about keeping everything together and tied to that 
core vision, but everybody's got their own individual wants and needs and plans for themselves. Yeah, I think it's important for all these areas to have a a system and a process in place. I mean, it's good to have the overall th- principles and vision and ideas, but I think it needs to be consistent, scalable, it needs to be boiled down to a specific process. One process that we follow is we call our career plans. And so each person in our company, we just launched this a few months ago, so we're in the process of building all these, but each person should have a documented career plan. And that's a combination of whatever lifestyle factors that they're comfortable with sharing that are making known within the team. So it could be their goals in life that are outside of work. It could be their family and their schedule and the number of hours they want to work, things like that. And then combine that with the career opportunities we have within Nimble. So I I talked a minute ago about the progression paths that go along with the accountability chart. And so those career plans look at that possible career progression and document where that person would like to go and create a plan that would help them get there. So someone, for example, is at client manager one right now, and there's a few steps to go to get to controller over time. But if it's that person's desire to get to controller someday, we want that to be clear. And we want to be able to have a you know some kind of tentative plan in place to develop the skills and experience needed to get to that role. I think it's just as valuable to understand that maybe somebody's a client manager one and they have maybe kids or elderly parents or something like that they're taking care of and really career progression is not a huge priority for them. They want to perform well in their current role, but they don't have a desire to progress from there. They're happy just performing within that role. And that's just as good to know. And that helps us help people achieve their goals, whether they're lofty or whether they're just to keep going. Either way is great. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is the key to retention. It's the key to keeping people is keep them motivated and, and chart the course. Yeah, for sure. It. Yeah. Anything else to wrap us up or to tie up this conversation? Because this is critical in keeping people and keeping everybody motivated is the coaching. It's a very critical component of the people experience. Yeah, no, I think that covers a lot of principles of coaching. We could talk for a long time about it, but I think that that covers the the main points. Did you talk about the book from Clayton Christensen? Yeah, Clayton Christensen, his book comes from an article. It's called How Will You Measure Your Life? And it's a great book about combining people's lives and, and business. And one thing that really stands out to me about that book is how much of an impact someone's work has on the rest of their lives. He gives an example and I'll just summarize it at a really high level, but you know, an executive who goes into work and they work for 10 hours. And in that, in the course of that 10 hours, they feel validated and they have a chance to accomplish something and to make a difference. And they come home and they interact with their family. That's going to have a much different experience than if they go to work and it's drudgery and they have no vision and no no path and they get you know beat down all day and then they come back to their family and they're going to be a much mm. different person at home and so it's really aligning all areas of life and progression in all areas and in our how we operate and our goals each each area could be distinct in how we look at it but really everything's together everything's integrated our families our health our hobbies everything everything comes together to be kind of a high performance person. And if any one of those areas are lacking, it's going to impact the other areas. Yeah. Dope. Well, thanks a lot, coach Elson. 
and this has been the third part of our px our people experience px3 today thanks a lot and class dismissed